This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 24th of December 2019, and I am welcoming a uh, world traveler to Santa's workshop <laughs> here because there's some construction going out uh, going on going on outside. I hope that doesn't interfere too much. And uh, so let's uh, head directly to our world traveler, Mr. Dave. But it's it's December 24th. Surely Santa's workshop can't still be building toys. Surely they should be all packed and wrapped by now. No, we work very fast. It's all uh, jit. It's all uh, right uh, just in time stuff. It's, uh, <laughs> no, no warehousing. I mean, it, it gets on the sled. It's getting created on the sled, packaged on the sled, and dropped down the chimney the moment it's packaged. That's, that's just how it works. That's how you do it. Wow. Microservices, man. To- toys as a service. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, happy and most delightful Christmas Eve to you. And the same to you and the rest of the world, obviously, considering Indeed. the rest of the world is listening to us. On release day? Because <laughs> 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 if you're listening to this later, then it definitely won't be Christmas Eve. Unless you listen to it exactly a year later. Mm. Anyway. That's how to listen yes, to I have, uh, I, I've spent some time bouncing around the world and... Uh, not too long ago, um, there were two fairly well-known conferences um, pretty close to each other with a week uh, in between. There's uh, KubeCon in San Diego and uh, AWS reInvent in Las Vegas. And so given that I was at both of these uh, different yet similar conferences, we thought it might be quite nice to kind of run through some sort of uh, some thoughts around the differences but also similarities on these uh, these different events. I guess the one of the first things I'd like to ask you Jan is like what's from your sort of perception as someone who who hasn't been to these you know but you, you <laughs> see the you see the press <laughs> you see the the articles floating past like what's your perception for of of these conferences? Well, I mean, my perception is colored a bit by my time at Microsoft because AWS reInvent, I kind of correlate with uh, Microsoft's uh, Inspire events, which kind of do the same thing, I guess. So for me, Mm -hmm. these two next to each other, it's like open source versus commercial. Uh, That Mm -hmm. being said, the commercial part of AWS is, of course, very much... uh, using or whatever adjectives one use in there, uh, open source. <laughs> but uh, I would assume that the, the the way people look at these things are more from a KubeCon, let's learn something, uh, AWS, let's see if I'm spending my budget correctly. Yeah, I think that's a very, very, um, that's a very good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, a very astute observation. Um I mean, we, we can talk about them uh, in in order that they occurred. So first of all, first off was KubeCon. Um, it was, I think, it was about twelve thousand people this year um, in San Diego. I've been a few more than that, but something around that sort of number. Um, and that's that compares to KubeCon in Barcelona earlier on the year, which I also had the. Uh, pleasure of attending, which I think was about 7,700 or 8,000 people, something like that. So um, you're not actually too disparate in, in terms of yeah. size, as as you might expect. Yeah, there's always um, the US versus EU uh, difference in attendance yeah. for these things. But uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, definitely the audience is larger. And also I, I would say that there were, um, there were rep- there was definitely representation from um, folks out in APAC at both mm-hmm. events, although probably more folks in San Diego uh, from the APAC region than there were from um, 
were at the the Barcelona event. But so there's two QCon cloud native cons per year then, a US and a EU version. That is correct. Well, so the next both. Uh, how did they? If can you give a high level contrast between EU and US? I don't know. I'm not going to call it marketing speed messaging. Let's call it messaging. Or do you want to do that uh, alongside the rest of your narrative? Oh. <sighs> Um, I, I can give a very a very brief highlight. Um, the the thing that I would say, sort of the the difference that I felt in um, KubeCon between Barcelona and uh, San Diego was that the keynotes at uh, at Barcelona actually I felt were a bit stronger. Um, okay, there was a. I don't know. It just it just seemed, and it, part of this could be the fact that you know some of it is clearly, um, I don't know, a little bit um, not necessarily repeated, but very closely aligned to what was previously talked about earlier in the year. But also enough time had passed that there was still a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, you know, they are roughly uh, equally spaced between each other. Um, when you sort of wrap around the calendar, so they should they should have roughly equal amounts of things to talk about. But the I would just say the KubeCon Barcelona keynotes just seemed to be a little bit tighter. There were a few in San Diego that just kind of I don't know seemed to go on a little bit you know past where you thought really you know that keynote could have wrapped up in you know 10 minutes or so and it was 20 minutes and it was still going on and you know things things like that where i just felt that the barcelona keynotes were a little bit tighter um the, were the keynotes uh, technical oriented or more business oriented or just partners like ibm talking about stuff it was a real mixture okay. um kubecon is one of these uh, definitely one of these events where there is a big focus on things that happen in the happening in the community. So there's a lot of, um, you know, this this project is you know and now out of the sandbox and into prime time kind of conversations. And you know, people on those projects get up and give a quick, you know, five ten minute kind of talk about what that project does and why it's interesting and why you should care and come and visit us at our booth kind of thing, which is actually quite nice. But we're as I say, there were some of those in San Diego that just seemed to go on. And uh, I mean, there are so many projects in um, sort of the, the CNCF now that um, some some of them are still quite niche. So having people kind of spending a lot of time on some of these just felt like a little bit of a wasted opportunity. Mm, yeah, but you have to give them a voice, or else they stay niche. I don't know. It's a bit of chicken maybe, yeah, that's one right. Note that just has uh, like five blitz uh, appearances of these smaller things, just to give them a little message out and yeah. next, 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 done. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they, I think they could have used that time better by doing more of those things, more shorter sessions, mm. covering more projects. I think that would have been better than like a bunch of short ones and then a real, really long one that just fe- fell out of place. Um, the other thing I would say with San Diego is there was probably one of the worst keynote demos I've seen in a very long time. Okay. Um, Call me in Which was, well, so the whole idea behind it, uh, and I haven't looked to see if anybody else picked up on this or was similarly disappointed with it, but the whole idea was um, essentially showing how Kubernetes is uh, integral into 
um, NFV and SDN, that's uh, Network Functioning Virtualization and mm-hmm. Software Defined Networking in the 5G world. Um, so they they wanted to make and show an end-to-end uh, uh, Kubernetes-powered, quote-unquote, um, 5G call. Now, mm-hmm. there are lots of complexities here. Obviously, you can't yeah. just stand up a 5G network. Uh, and that's, that would be breaking federal law. So they had you know, a phone in a Faraday cage. Well, yeah. So they had a phone in a Faraday cage. God. They had a sort of a remote session connecting to that Vara wire. And, and it was just, it felt really convoluted. Um, and there were there were loads of people involved. Rio Red Hat um, were involved and were up on stage, uh, but there were many many you know networking vendors involved, and you know the architecture mm-hmm. was was played out and all these kind of things. But it it was just it just felt really contrived. The demo was you know the actual practical part of trying to make a five G video call didn't work terribly well either. Um, <laughs> And it, it just, I mean, I actually, it was so bad I had to leave the room. It was, the, <laughs> thankfully, it was the last keynote of, of that section. Um, and uh, so I, I didn't feel bad kind of walking out towards the end of that. But it, it was it was pretty awful. Yeah, I mean, if you do something like that, it can really be inspiring if it all works and it seems to be effortlessly. But yeah, yeah, if it's more struggling and in the end it doesn't even work, then it doesn't really leave a good impression. It's, I, I, assume. I mean, yeah, any demo needs to needs to really tell a compelling, you know, especially a keynote, you know, a really inspiring mm. sort of story. And uh, this one just, it just fell flat. <laughs> can, can this be the, the open source and Google uh, influence here? I mean, Google has been often seen... Well, by me as well, I guess, as a company that is very much focused on the technology of things and less of the, yeah, but what business problem is this solving? Now, they are changing, obviously, they need to. But this kind of demo also looks like a, a couple of nerds thinking, let's do a, a nice uh, soldering Raspberry Pis together thing just for the fun of it. Uh, I wish I'd been there. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think actually what, because there must have been a similar demo in Barcelona, but it was towards the start of the year, and I must admit, I do not remember. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the 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 thing about KubeCon for me is that it was also, and yeah, this actually also applies to to reinvent as well. Um, I've been I've been lucky enough to have spent a, a decent chunk of time in this and surrounding industries uh, over the years, and a lot of people that I've worked with are are still very much in this space and still very active. And so, you know, if you've spent any time here, there's there's a very good chance you will run into people from past lives, and that was mm-hmm. certainly the case for me at both both KubeCon and reInvent, and there were sort of Lots of connections re-established with with folks who I've uh, enjoyed working with, um, sort of along my journey. So that was that was one of the the nicest things about this. I mean, you you definitely meet new people, and whether that's you know doing booth duty or wandering around and and sort of just striking up conversations with folks. Dave, um, babe. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely not me. But uh, <laughs> but you know, just over over the uh, the provided breakfast. You know, you yeah, you sit yeah, down yeah. at a table with a bunch of people who you don't know. You know, you typically the the you know as long as people don't have the uh, the red sticker on their badge, which is the sort of there's green, amber, red that you uh, mm-hmm. that you had, and you could sort of say how uh, how open you were to, uh, <laughs> to just being approached and having discussions. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's where we are now, and that in was present number, also in. Yeah, that was also present in um, in Barcelona as well, and I, wow. I have seen that kind of previously. So that's sure very much a thing what now. To think of that. I mean, I can see where it's coming from, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, networking is one of the biggest things of these events. I mean, there's, there's two things of these yeah. events. You want to learn some technical stuff, hopefully, but the networking part—that's. I'm not going to say the main reason, but at least as important as the technical enrichments that might follow through from it for me when I go to things like yeah. This. And in fact, the, there's there's a common sort of um, there's a common thought around uh, when you go to one of these conferences that you know you, things are organised in tracks. So you might have the the business track and the technical track or whatever. But actually, there's a there's a, a, a sort of fairly common observation that one of the most valuable tracks is what they call the hallway track, which mm-hmm. is just, you know, <laughs> you bump into people in the hallway, you know, yep. standing outside waiting for a session maybe, or, you know, waiting for coffee or grabbing lunch or breakfast That's or how we've over the canapes. The in, uh, over the, over the, the years, so. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've done that track. Um, we have, we have. And, and that, I think, is, I, th- I think that is actually, you know, that's the core part of, the formalized part, if you like, of the networking, you know, it's, it's that chance to bump into people. I mean, I was, I was chatting to someone who was, um, you know, part of the, um, Microsoft cloud storage team who was involved in a lot of the development and acceleration of their sort of cloud storage and how that integration to Kubernetes and all this guy. And he was talking about, you know, some of the, some of the actually quite impressive work that they'd done Mm -hmm. on that over the past kind of six months to both improve the performance and the the kind of resilience and and reliability of the platform. So there's, there's plenty of, uh, of, of things to do for sure. So, um, yeah, go on. Uh, so, I mean, KubeCon was, um, yeah, I was there obviously pre- representing Grafana Labs. Um, we had a booth. It was incredibly busy. Um, all of that kind of stuff went really well. And it was it was a very, very well-run conference, I think. The, um, the sessions were about right in terms of room size to interest. I mean, there's always some disappointment. Um, you know, some sessions, you know, do get really busy and, you know, rooms can only be so large. But um, it was, it was, it was well organized in my opinion, I think. And and I think KubeCon is one of those conferences that I think is, has become one of the, the premier sort of open source focused I say focus, but that's not entirely the case. We'll come back to that a little bit. Um, it's kind of tech conferences now. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're interested in open source and you're doing things in this sort of cloud native space, um, you know the it, it's definitely one of the premier conferences. Um, even you know possibly uh, somewhat. 
uh, awkwardly even kind of bigger than sort of Fostem and things like that now, which is which is I think saying something yeah. fairly significant. Yeah, isn't it just that Fosdem and those things are really still drenched in that um, let's call it the, the Debian approach. It needs to be pure open source and nothing but pure open source. While KubeCon, CloudNativeCon yeah. is much more liberal and much more. I mean, I don't see any anybody with a business uh, reason going to a Fosdem. While technical yeah. people will, KubeCon yeah. has both caters to both, so you will get a bigger audience and more recognition, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. I would say that the uh, if you looked at the sessions, and I, I have to totally admit I did not get a chance to attend any sessions either at KubeCon or reInvent. So my knowledge of, of sessions is really from talking to people that did manage to get into sessions. Um, the the sessions were, generally speaking, very high. Um, so very high quality. Um, the it seems like the the kind of selection panel had done a pretty good job in kind of weeding out those things that were just you know pure sales pitch. There's obviously a few misses here and there, and you know I think that goes for all conferences. the The pitch doesn't always necessarily line up with the actual delivery, but that's mm-hmm. that's just the way things go. Um, but yeah, I think overall, you know, QCon probably more of a technical focus. Um, definitely more of a um, you know a core open source focus, but at the same time as you said, it, it's also far more diverse. There were a, you know there was a huge um, you know vendor hall there, um, and oh, expo hall. It was actually split out into kind of two halls: one you know the big boys hall uh, and the the smaller startups hall. And, uh, and actually both of them were sort of very well populated. They were literally across a corridor from each other. So you could see one from the other and people were kind of cycling through them pretty rapidly. But, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed my, uh, my, my KubeCon San Diego experience. And, uh, yes, looking forward to, uh, KubeCon in, uh, in Amsterdam coming up next year. Yeah, March 30th to April 2nd, and uh, we're doing our best, uh, me being that, uh, to be present there, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Before we move on there, uh, any, let's say, overarching team or thing or release uh, of this uh, KubeCon? Well, KubeCon, CloudNativeCon. Yeah, not... I didn't really get that feeling, no. that There was... There was a continued, and I think this has been uh, an ongoing theme from 2017, I seem to remember, like there were some early conversations even back then, about how really the, the Kubernetes side of things is really quite dull now. It, it, it quote unquote, it just works, which I think is, <laughs> is uh, ouch. I think back in 2017 was... Um, was possibly a little bit optimistic. I think now we're getting far closer to that, especially with um, the number of organizations, you know, cloud providers that run, you know, managed Kubernetes um, as a service kind of platforms and things like that. I think it is it is getting far, far closer to, to that. And in fact, I was, you know, talking to people that were using these platforms on all different cloud providers and were actually very happy with the the kind of service and the functionality that they were getting they felt that it was actually pretty pretty seamless and pretty representative of of what they 
you know, what should be expected nowadays, which I think is a really nice thing to hear uh, back from people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about this in a previous episode already, but uh, the, the thing, the, the biggest uh, challenge I have at the moment is uh, getting the newer versions of Kubernetes adopted uh, around the world. Because even if, if you look at all of these cloud providers, they're all still running, or at least by default, uh, offering very old versions of the technology. Which makes sense because people start stuff and, well, enterprises don't like moving every six months to a totally new infrastructure layer, you must almost say. But it yeah. kind of feels, and by coincidence, I went to a meetup uh, this week that also was about Kubernetes, and that also was echoed by the people there that mm. the upgrade process is not yet what you'd expect from a mature uh, environment. There's still too many unknowns which causing delays by needing to test and regression test and combination test and whatever before you can upgrade. So it's a lot of work. So, well, let's wait for dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's very, that is, that seems to be still very clear from a lot of people that the, the upgrade is still a thing that's painful. Um, and yeah, the, the cloud providers running earlier versions, I mean, they're putting so much additional effort into the automation around them to make these things seem so, so clean and, and seamless that, yeah, it, it, it doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, and that includes Google, by the way. Google as well. Their GKE, I think their acronym is. <laughs> I have to be careful here. Is also on the I think Silicon zero fourteen or something. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to go and look. Yeah. I don't, Again, I'm from a meetup that exact somebody versions. mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to to sound very uh, smart here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of just a brief recap of of KubeCon and you know some some impressions of it. Great event. Um, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. And uh, then just just sort of a week in between, it was uh, off to Las Vegas for reInvent. Um, so while, while KubeCon was, you know, around 12,000 people, I believe, um, reInvent was in excess of 60,000 people. And I mean, yeah, it's just one of those, it's one of those events that just, just really does take over the location. The only um, conference that I regularly attend that is significantly larger than reInvent's 60,000 is uh, Mobile World Congress, which every year is in Barcelona, and that's over 100,000 people. So it's, it's not the largest event um, yeah, reInvent is not the largest event, despite what some people think, uh, but it is still a damn big event. And, you know, it's held in Las Vegas. There's plenty of accommodation. There's, um, you know, it actually, it, you know, it's in a core uh, location of the, the Venetian, but, and it is, you know, for those that haven't been there, it is right on the strip. It literally takes over a number of the, um, hotels slash venues um for the the sessions so it's yeah it's 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 pretty sizable um and one of the things with something being so distributed is just navigating Mm -hmm. it moving around it is is really really tricky yeah for sure um and i was talking to people about you know how how they plan their sessions and what they're looking yeah. to get out of reinvent and it's some of them were saying like all they do is they basically work out 
the sessions they desperately want to get to see and they, they make those a priority. Yeah. And then they fill the rest of the day with sessions in that same, same venue. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise you lose 30 minutes tracking yeah, in between each of the, each of the, um, each of the locations. So I assume there was a kind of bus service laid in. Or- yeah. So there was, but, but still- the problem is that, you know, a bus traveling up and down the Las Vegas Strip, you're still stuck in the same traffic. Oh, it yeah. was actually, <laughs> it was actually quicker to walk, I found, or at least yeah, but there was no... Although in this time, uh, time of year, well, it's okay. This time of year, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. This, exactly. It was a, in fact, um, both both San Diego and Las Vegas um, uh, had a terrible, a terrible disaster in that it rained. And uh, so the number of times actually in both in both locations that you'd be walking around somewhere and you'd, you'd see kind of random buckets distributed around the place, <laughs> catching, <laughs> catching rain because they're, they're just not used to it. I mean, I would have thought that, you know, roofs were fairly well understood at this point in time, but clearly not when you only get rain a handful of times a year. I, I really want to um, go political here, but I'm refraining. I'm refraining. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, that was kind of funny actually in both San Diego and Las Vegas, uh, the rain, rain really did mess with the the poor folks there, but uh, it was, yeah. So when people were, you know, trolling between the different uh, sessions, you just, you had to focus your time. You had to make sure that, um, you know, you understood where the sessions were because it was just, it's a huge event and there was just no sensible way um, to <laughs> to kind of just randomly pick sessions you were interested in and make it happen. And did organizers actually take them to account and make sure that similar sessions were in a similar location or was there no such uh, curation? I mean, no, I don't really think so. And this okay. is one of the things that, I mean, they, they may have made some sort of steps towards it, but I, I didn't really get that feeling from when I was looking at the, at the, um, the track list. And I think this is one of the the things that they may have to focus on in in future sessions is if you're going to have it somewhere that requires it to be distributed across multiple locations, then then really maybe they need to start thinking about you know all things all things storage go here, all things um, compute go here, mm-hmm. all things I don't know. Um, business what yeah business maybe go here and and at least try and make a a, a concerted event whereas at the moment it felt more like the venetian was the hub and a, a good chunk of the sessions were in the venetian but you know there were there were a significant chunk of sessions over at the aria and you know it just it felt like one hub and a number of smaller smaller but still quite sizable satellites whereas i think if they're if they if they do continue with Vegas as being a location, I think they they probably need to kind of decentralize it more. Yeah. Um, I mean, the choice of Vegas yeah. is probably because it's one of the only places in the world that has a room for all of this, including hotel spaces for people that are attending there. Well, you know, as I say, Barcelona manages a hundred thousand people. So, yeah. but <laughs> how many other countries? Do you but know? How, <laughs> yeah, I know it, it is a very it is a very specialized problem. You're right, and um, it, it's a it's a very it is a very different event. 
um, to to KubeCon in in many ways. So the in in many ways, so the the booths are you know, significantly more more lavish. Um, you know, the some of the some of the folks I, I talked to were spending you know significantly upwards of of a million dollars on on their booth, and were expecting that to uh, to be you know a justifiable expense, which boggles my mind. But you know that's that's the world of uh, that's the world of of you know huge businesses that are significantly invested in in reinvent. It's just it's absolutely it's it is their it is their critical event mm-hmm. of of the year. It's where they they do the most. Uh, um, the most business and, and make the most connections. So you know, I, I guess that uh, that investment for them makes makes a lot of sense. But it, it's uh, it's also it's also something that um, it's a real struggle to um, you know to, to to navigate it, to get around it, to meet the people that you want to meet up with. Um, Again, you know, the people people make time, um, but it, it's not always easy, and it's just that that nature of it being so so distributed, so spread out. I think is at the point where it's starting to starting to hurt it as an event. So yeah, it it, it will be interesting to see um, how how reinvent um, kind of evolves in the future. Uh, a quick question there. I mean, this is AWS reInvent. So, how mm-hmm. much is this AWS, and how much is this other people doing stuff on AWS? How is the uh, how should I say this the the, the 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 big power and might that is AWS being forced upon everything and anything that's happening there? So, I think there is a. There is a definitely a bit of both. It is definitely an event for AWS's, you know, premier partners showing off their what they're doing and and their might. Certainly, like the the expo hall is um, is very um, you know very partner and vendor oriented as you would probably expect. Um, and the the sessions, you know, sessions very similar. Yes, there are a lot of sessions. A lot of um, given by AWS folks, but there are also a lot of very partner-focused sessions. So there's, I would say, there are more partner sessions, but I would say that the um, a lot of the value that people get out of it is um, actually spending time with AWS folks. So to give you to give you an example, I was talking to. Uh, one of the like senior architects from a um, a hedge fund, and he was saying that you know, they they do everything that they they do on on AWS, um, and yes, they consume partner services as well. But for them, really, reinvent is a chance to connect with the people that are developing a lot of these services, the AWS staff developing these services, and actually. Give them feedback as to you know what's going well, what's not going well, you know what they would like to see fixed, get a better understanding of the roadmap. So it, it's it's kind of interesting. You would think that a lot of this sort of communication would happen just naturally throughout the year, but it turns out that that's really not so much the case. That the the time spent at reinvent is is very focused for for a lot of people on spending time with key AWS folks 
on the services that they're interested in. So it, it's kind of it's it's an interesting space because it it makes I mean it makes perfect sense, but for it it only really makes sense if you're very very heavily tied into AWS. I mean it is an AWS event. It mm-hmm. would make total sense for for you to attend if a lot of your infrastructure is on AWS. But it also to a certain extent maybe does limit um you know limit the attendees uh, because you know not everybody is all bought into AWS and there's uh, we'll come we'll come to some comments around uh, you know what what the world outside is is thinking about that a bit later but yeah it's 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 a very it's a very curious event from that perspective i think okay so the there is an article that I found um, after I'd I'd come back and I was sort of reflecting on my my thoughts and I thought oh I'll just see what a few other folks are saying and there was a uh, an IT Pro article um, which was they they do a series uh, a view from the airport which is basically the variety of conferences that they attend and report on you know at the airport while they're sort of waiting to board their various planes on the way back um, comments on that particular event or conference and uh, you know I read I read the the, the piece that they published I thought it was actually quite quite interesting. Um, and I went to check on it uh, to, to kind of put it up to show it to Jan just before this, uh, just before we recorded this session, and it had vanished, which was kind of curious. So three cheers for Google and their ability to cache such a lot of content. Uh, we managed to uh, dig it up on the cache, and uh, the link will be in the show notes. Now, I couldn't actually get the cached version of the IT Pro one, but it's uh, a very, very similar article. It may be the same with a few tweaks. Uh, was also visible on, or also published on the cloudpro.co.uk site. Um, so this is, I think it's slightly similar, slightly different to the version of the uh, article I saw, but it, it's close enough to to be worth talking about. And the sort of, the two things that I found were really interested in, in or interesting in this article uh, one is that essentially um, the the sort of comments around multi-cloud were effectively sort of banned at uh, at reInvent. Um, it was not mentioned by any of the kind of AWS executives. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was sort of almost um, yeah almost. It, it, strangely ignored given the fact that multi-cloud um is is one of the things that for a lot of people makes a significant amount of sense and not for amazon i mean i've read that even the the reps and the essays that uh, amazon are not allowed to talk about multi-cloud at all it doesn't exist if you don't talk about it it doesn't exist (laughs) yeah it's probably limiting Uh, for them i think well exactly and the the sort of there was a, a session um with um with sort of AWS and Sophos at some sort of security roundtable 
And when when journalists were invited to ask questions, they clearly took pleasure in asking difficult questions like, what's your beef with multi-cloud and how much did it suck to lose out to Microsoft? Uh, and that's, of course, a reference to the Project Jedi. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Um, so it was it was kind of... The fact that this article has been taken down is also... Let's call it repressed, come on. Or even suppressed. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it could just be a publishing error, error but it, the article feels a little bit close to the bone, and I think, therefore, that, that makes me think that somebody somewhere thought mm, we might not we might not get more uh, more special invites from amazon if we pub- <laughs> if we leave this article up here um so they they chose to take it surely to the take press it down. is independent mm, I mean, we are independent not, we don't get invited to, to do this stuff anyway <laughs> that is true we are definitely independent um so yeah it was that that was sort of a, a bit of a bit of a final thought specifically on reinvent is kind of well again we'll have a link to the article i would i was just taking a look at it there's some some interesting thoughts there um i guess wrapping things up to me the the two conferences and i'm i'm actually stealing this phrase from a uh, an article i found um, back from 2017 but i think the the sentiment is still very 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 true is that KubeCon feels more about more like it's a conference that's about creation. Um, it's still very technically focused. It's still look at this new exciting open source project, A B C D E F G, that's going to revolutionize the space of I don't know widget deployment. Um, and and look how exciting widget deployment is with this with this new project and here's some YAML and, you know, here's some code behind it and here's a terminal window with it running. Oh, 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 I'm so excited about all of this. And, and reInvent is, it feels more like, more about consumption. Um, you know, here's this thing that we've already built and here's how you can use it to go faster. Um, it's, it's not, it's not about the creation. It's not about the, or it's it's less about, should we say, the underlying, you know, code and cool tech and being excited about the about what's happening. It's just about this is how you can this is how you can consume our services, even more of our services. You know, the the announcement of of managed Cassandra, for example, was at one of the keynotes during reInvent. Um, so it, it's I think that. That sort of consumption versus creation is is one of the the key differentiators that I, that I think you, you can't land that bomb without me asking a question. That keynote that uh, talked about the SaaS uh, Cassandra was it done by AWS or by the guys behind Cassandra? Uh, it was done by AWS. Thank you. <laughs> so I think one of the questions that uh, that you posed was, um, you know, should should people attend these events? Um, how should they pick between them? Um, you know, all those kind of questions. Yeah, a bit of the public service announcement. Uh, message for the greater good, right? I mean, if uh, should yeah. I, me, you, you know me as a person, I think. We, we've been talking to each other off and on for a couple of years now. Should I go to these? Mm-hmm. Which one should, if I can only go to one, which one should I attend? 
So you personally, yep. I would say, I think you would get more more value from KubeCon. Yeah, um, I think I'd agree. I'm too cynical I, to I go to any worth reinvent. <laughs> I, I mean, it was reinvent was very very interesting, and I think if what it boils down to for me is if all of your infrastructure in some way shape or form is on AWS, then reinvent is clearly the event that you should go to. If you are multi-cloud, if you are microservices, if you are, you know, looking at splitting your uh, infrastructure across maybe multiple clouds, multiple different managed Kubernetes environments, maybe you're doing a lot of dev testing Kubernetes and man- using managed Kubernetes for for production, then yeah, clear, clearly KubeCon would be the the conference that would make the most sense. Um, but well, there are both excellent conferences, yeah. just have a different focus yeah would that be right because uh, again from standing from the from the from the sidelines i i'd expect more um, how do you call that marketing veneer uh, uh, in the aws reinvent environment where the kubecon will never be the raw fruit either there's always uh, some bias involved but uh, i mean when i got these things i try to figure out okay what's going to be important in the next five years where should i start learning new things where should i invest my stuff and once I've decided, yes, this is uh, some technology that's good and going to be useful to me, I'll figure out where to run it in my own ease of time at home, just looking at where it's available, what it costs and stuff like that. I don't really need a, uh, an event for that. Or am I doing a, a reInvent short when I say that? I mean, I, th- I think possibly doing both of them short. Sure. I think the, the chance to... There are always going to be sessions by people that are significantly ahead of the uh, the rest of the bell curve and i think those sessions i mean we've we've talked about this before to a certain extent the sessions of where people are talking about their experiences sharing some of the pain and suffering they've been through so that you don't have to go through that uh, so you can learn from some of their mistakes i think those those kind of experiences you know sharing that that knowledge is the is the sort of thing to me that is incredibly valuable, and those people are typically the people that are at the cutting slash kind of bleeding edge of of these kind of ecosystems. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I do think there are I do think these events still have a lot of value. I think it, you know I wish I had had a chance to attend more of the sessions. Um, who knows? Maybe next year. Um, but uh, I, th- I think those, you know, from, from talking to people that did attend the sessions, they, they did get a lot of value in terms of, um, you know, working out some of the technologies that they might, they might find interesting moving forward. So, yeah, I think, I think, there's, I think there's still a lot, of, a lot of value for that. And there were just so many people of, of similar mind compressed into one relatively small location that you can just have some you can just have a lot of very very high quality discussions and conversations around things that you're interested in in such a short period of time the the biggest problem is just trying to remember all of them and and kind of yeah take take good notes would be my uh, <laughs> recommendation there yeah readable ones Okay, so uh, yeah, thanks. I was hoping for a kind of elaborate answer to that one. So, uh, if you're not talking about me, who of our who of our audience should attend this, and how should they make their choices? I mean, you, you already answered most of that, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think just 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 to really 
summarize it. If you if all of your stuff is on AWS, reInvent is the clear choice for you. Um, if you're more on the cloud native, Kubernetes, um, microservices, you know, running your stuff on a mixture of Docker containers in in Dev or local Kubernetes and uh, managed Kubernetes or you know whatever in production, then clearly KubeCon is the way for you. If you're just genuinely you know, more focused around what's happening in the open source cloud native world, then again, KubeCon's definitely the one for you. Should anybody uh, attend that both? Would be my, I mean, if, if you're multi-cloud, then you're going to need to do more than reinvent, mm. I think is, is the... And so then your choices are either you can go to you know, Microsoft's uh, Inspire, I think you mentioned it was. Yep. Um, you can go to... I, I can't remember what Google's conference is um, called, but uh, you can go to their conference you, and you could go to reinvent. Um, yeah, but I'm imagining there's some overlap between KubeCon and those uh, cloud-specific uh, conferences or cloud-provider-specific conferences, but the overlap exactly. is nowhere near to 100%, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah, very much so. Focus much so. content, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So if people want to go to these events, the next, uh, let's see, AWS reInvent 2020 is scheduled for Las Vegas again, apparently 30 November to 4 December 2020. And the next mm-hmm. KubeCon Cloud Native Con is in my uh, native, well, no, I'm not born in Holland, but where I live, uh, country, <laughs> uh, March 30th to April 2nd again. Uh, so that's in uh, Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, yes. And again, I will be trying to attend that one because it's very close to home, and I'm trying to persuade my boss to let me go. It's more of a yeah, <laughs> we're busy than anything else, but uh, with a bit of luck, yep. we should have a good session, a good time at the Rye in Amsterdam. Then, right. Well, thanks, uh, traveling Dave, for this uh, nice recap of these events. Hope our audience have some information now uh, about uh, whether or not they should attend. <laughs> Any closing thoughts, or is that all we have for today? I think that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We're on YouTube. Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all the YouTube stuff. Um, please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and also for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Dave. And my name is Jon. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. See you then.